welcome to season two of Buzz British Book Club. I'm Kit. I'm Bridge. And today we're going to get buzzed and talk about books. Welcome back to Buzz British Book Club. I'm Kit. I'm Bridge. And today we're joined by special guest Laura Marden. Welcome, Laura. Welcome back. Thank you you for having me back. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the book to movie comparison of Red, White and Royal Blue, which if you have been following our podcast, we rated, we court graded that book um, several months ago and loved it. We've been super excited about the book to movie video Netflix adaptation. That's what I was looking for. Amazon. Adaptation of the book. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about it today. We all read it. We all watched it, right? Yes. And um, just to refresh your memories, we both, Kit and both both of us rated it 4.5 on the book out Mm. of a scale of five and we're we're acting brand new because it's been so long since we've recorded an episode so we're trying to find our rhythm again (laughs) yeah um and incidentally we mentioned it in the last episode um but we're switching it up a little bit in terms of beverages so instead of doing wine this go round, we're all partaking in some tea right so what kind of tea are you drinking um herbal tea it's chamomile right that's how you say it chamomile and mint and it's quite good although i think it's a you know kind of hot in georgia to be drinking tea but it's fine what are you drinking laura actually mine's really funny so it's called liberty tea and i have to say this in an american accent because it wouldn't be funny in a british accent it was inspired by the herbal blends, which replaced the freedom fighters' habit for English tea. Yes, so it's Mer- an aromatic. Oh, yes, I know. I <laughs> I was digging through my tea collection. I was like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how much um, truth is in that, but it's yeah, it's raspberry leaf, cranberries, lemon and orange peel, chamomile, rose petals, and more. Rose petals. That sounds and mystery ingredients. (laughs) It's just freedom. (laughs) And smells like freedom. (laughs) Dried freedom. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm actually drinking chilled Irish breakfast tea. So I guess Irish snub. Me too. For the English as well. There maybe a little bit. Irish breakfast yeah and I'm like got my American flag hat on so I don't know just a weird to rename this podcast now but you know we're talking about uh um, an American character and American politics and British characters so I feel like it's a good blend that's wonderful I didn't even make that connection that's excellent why they pay me the big bucks Definitely. So um, before we get started, Laura, it's been a long time since you've been a guest on our show. Can you tell us really quick what you've been up to? Um, and just put her uh, on the spot. <laughs> sorry, just popped into my head, you know. 
Well, um, life-wise, I'm going to try to keep up with the British accent, but I know it's not going to be good. So I'll just, it'll probably just be peppered in. So (laughs) life-wise, it's really just been keeping up with the kids because they're insane now, which is a good thing. They're really fun, but it's also like plural kids plural. think it was a singular yeah. no it yeah. wasn't i had given birth one week <laughs> before oh, really? I oh. you could drink wine with us remember <laughs> it was a big thing because i could that's drink wine. right <laughs> and we were like you're so badass you just gave birth and now you're on a podcast it, with us did i was just like back to the grind <laughs> yeah but no but um yeah so that's really slowed down my like writing author type of thing um fortunately did just have an anthology come out so (laughs) so did uh, one story in an anthology um so the uh seers and sibyls anthology from bridget skate press Uh, my story until prophecies end is in there and that was a lot of fun to write probably yes (laughs) it's probably the only thing i'll get out this year and to have it be such like uh first time um one of my stories ever in print so it's to have it be kind of a big deal felt really good yeah so how was that like holding your words in your hand it was wild yeah it was really nice that's awesome yeah so but yeah other than that just trying to keep up with day-to-day stuff which is uh, very overwhelming and very, yeah, it's an interesting time as a creative type with kids because it's very much like there's no space, you know, you, you, when you like want to write, a lot of times you want to go off and have that like funk where you're like, you want inspiration. And then meantime, you have somebody asking you 50 million questions about dinosaurs in the other ear <laughs> and you're just like, I can't. <laughs> and you can't just turn on the tap right as soon as they're in bed to like be productive for an hour before you have to go to bed yourself so yeah it's it's tough but if the inspiration hits right as I proved earlier this year you can get a short story out (laughs) so yeah but that's about it yeah that's about it I mean that's plenty that's Mm. yeah that's quite an accomplishment that's that's amazing and uh for our listeners um check out seers and sybils you can order it online on amazon on probably barnes and noble i don't know and direct from the publisher at bridgesgatepress.com as well laura's story is in there it is an amazing story it's thrilling it's engaging i love the characters and the entire anthology is mythology based and uh lots of stories in there from cultures all over the world definitely worth a read um and yeah laura's story is in there and it's fabulous so definitely check it out um highly recommend and um all right well let's get started Uh, where do we want to begin i think we should start by uh celebrating that it is hashtag bi week we are in the middle of bisexual awareness week so um, i love that a very fun time to be reporting on this particular subject um so i know really we'll- intentional yes <laughs> that was accidentally on purpose you know <laughs> right 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 yeah we're so good at planning we don't even have to plan <laughs> oh thank you for for letting us know that that's awesome yes well, I kind of want to mention my expectations for the story. Um, 
it was only two and a half hours. And when I learned that, this was a 14-hour audiobook. And in fact, might have even been longer than that because I can't remember if the 14 hours was after I sped it up to one and a half speed or whatever it was I listened to it on. So, it, I mean, it was a long audiobook. And so learning that it was two and a half hours, I came into this with pretty low expectations, honestly. Well, I mean, two and a half hours for a film is fairly long. I feel like it should have been a miniseries or something. Well, you could always make that argument. I think, you know, people say that about Harry Potter and whatever. And it's like, sure, yes, I'd be there to watch it. But I think letting go of any real expectations that it's going to be like a one-to-one comparison is the key to not being disappointed because inevitably they're going to have to cut things out sure yeah and boy did they cut things out (laughs) yeah they they definitely did want to talk about what they cut out then go ahead yes please uh well i don't want to okay well the first thing i noticed was they cut out an entire sister yes they were just like, boom, sisters, we don't need them. Get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, June was totally gone. Totally next. And I was a little confused. The White House trio or whatever the heck their thing was, yeah. was not, it wasn't a thing anymore. And that jarred me a little bit. Yeah. yeah I, read I-, a, I read an interview with Matthew Lopez where he talked about that. And he said, um, what did he say? I think I actually wrote it down. He, he was worried about two actresses having half a meal is how he put it. And where he really felt like if it was June and Nora, then neither actress was really going to get a chance to shine. And, but like, I, my problem with that was I didn't feel like Nora she really was filled a full there. role either. So I was like, well, you took a whole character away, but you didn't even give the rest of the meal to the other actress. Yeah, like, to be maybe. honest, I thought Nora's character was a bit weak in the book, too. Like, they definitely could have combined her with June in the book, even. Yeah, just to simplify things. To, it was an to interesting honest, choice. Yeah, I thought, I agree with you. Like, she could have been, she could have shined a lot more in the movie and maybe there were more scenes and they just cut them i don't know um but uh i love that actress and i felt like anytime she was on screen i wanted to see more of her um but i definitely could see why it made sense for them to to trim it down just because like they simplified the storyline in a lot of ways like with alex's parents being still together rather than mm-hmm. having been divorced and remarried and all that um, which I kind of like that change to be honest, but um, but yeah, I mean, they're always going to cut things down like that. Um, and you, Laura, you mentioned the director Matthew Lopez, which I, I want to come back to talking about him because he's got kind of a cool story himself. Um, but what did you guys think about the reporter? How they changed that? Miguel. I liked it that was one of the few things I don't want to say one of the few things it was one of the things one of the changes that I was like I get it I know why you did this it makes sense it was clean it was tight as soon as you knew it was leaked you knew why he did it yeah I I think out of all the changes to it that one made the most sense because if you had gone off on the whole tangent with Raphael Luna you would have been there another five hours seriously (laughs) so complicated and this one having it i was a little torn on the whole idea that alex had 
you know, it wasn't quite the same character as the book because he had experimented before. He had had full on, you know, well, I guess one night stand, two one night stands is kind of what he talks about. So like having that be with the reporter and having it be a little petty, I was like, all right, cool. I get it. It had the same spirit of what he went through with Rafael Luna, whereas it felt streamlined. Cool. We're good. We don't need this part of the story. Let's just focus on the two main characters. Yeah, that was my opinion. I don't know if this is jumping the gun a little bit and we're still figuring out our rhythm again but like it kind of flows into what I felt like was my least favorite change or kind of what shifted in the adaptation which was Alex's sort of knowledge of himself in terms of his sexuality. From my perception from the book there was a lot more of a journey of self-discovery of him realizing that he's bisexual. Whereas in, in, in the movie, it's there to some degree and he has to come out to his parents still, but it's like, kind of like, he's like, I can deal with being low level into guys. And it's like, he's always known. Whereas in, in the book, I felt like he was, it was much more repressed. He was never going to acknowledge it. But I don't know. What did you guys think? I was a little disappointed in that. Um, for me personally, I I loved his discovery journey in the book. Um, it was funny. I felt like it added a layer of depth to the character and to the journey um, that it was definitely missing in in the movie. I understand why they did it because like Laura said, if they were to do that, it it would have been a movie about something different, I think. They would have had to make it about something different and the prince was already sort of going through that, so it's kind of like, okay, do we need both of these people going through this in a movie or do we just pick the more impactful one? And I think that's what they did in the movie. And I I get it, but personally, I I liked it in the book a lot. Um, I don't know if they could have really portrayed it well in the movie on top of Henry's thing that he was going through as well. I don't know if they could have done both without it's, it. They were definitely talk, tackling a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that was probably good. I do. I, I was sad about the high school friends not being being blended in with this asshole reporter <laughs> well i think he mentioned so sad it. that happened because i like the friend yeah like there it was kind of a, a cool full circle moment in the book where he comes back to liam i think is what his name mm-hmm. was and they have some sort of resolution there but um i think that there's an allusion to some dalliance in high school when when Laura asks him how many guys have you been with when they're having that talk in her office and he mentions something in high school and then um I think it was the reporter the reporter yeah the two two separate occurrences it sounded like but I, I don't know it just left me wanting and I wonder if to your point Kit if like they're looking to focus on it's the journey of Prince Henry trying to come out to his family, although to some extent they already knew. I want, like, I did really like the the visibility of, like, a bisexual character. And I, I like the journey in the book of self-discovery and just kind of peeling back the layers of yourself 
to understand this is real and this is who I am. Um, so I, I, I don't know how they could have effectively done that in anything less than a miniseries as you're sort of proposing, but it was disappointing. I was sad about that. But that's that was the only major grievance I had with, you know, spoiler alert, with the movie. No, I had, um, I thought, yeah, like the book just tackled so many things. Like um, Henry's sister got nerfed a lot, totally nerfed. Um, they could have cut her out and it would have not made any difference in the movie, I don't think. I don't think she added anything. No, I guess Henry just needed some type of ally in his family because there was that one scene where they're sort of walking in the garden and she's trying to encourage him and then she's the one to kind of bring to light that there's a crowd gathering outside and like encourages him to just go for it. So I guess they needed someone on his side to do that. But I agree, like her whole like a drug addiction and storyline and all of that was completely gone. Of course it was, because they had to just streamline a lot of things. Yeah. But I think that that is a very important journey to explore as well. Um, Something that a lot of people resonated with, I think, from the book that didn't make it in. So that kind of sucked to me as well. And also the blatant... um, almost like proud cut of the PowerPoint scene. She even mentions, oh, if I had had time, I would have done <laughs> oh my a PowerPoint God. presentation can about... We, can we talk about that scene? Okay, so there's some good things. Let's refresh. So Uma Thurman, who I was actually surprised to like in this role because when I found out that she was going to be the Texas Democrat, hardworking mother, I was like, Uma Thurman? Unless she's, like, killing people, I don't really understand. But she did great. I thought her accent was good. Um, But then there's a scene where Alex is coming out. Sorry, my dog's shaking. Alex is coming out to his mother. And then they're, like, cuddled on the couch. And it was so awkward. I'm like, this man is grown. He's, like, 23 or whatever. And I'm sure there's mothers out there that would be like, I'm going to cuddle with my son regardless. But, like, it just looked awkward. You guys, did you guys feel that way or was it just me? No, I felt it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that made it, well, like you said, like he's supposed to be 23, but in the movie, he's he's 30. He's over, he's over at least, at least 30. And so it's like, yeah, I think at that point, but if you'd had a 23-year-old character, I think it would have made a lot I mean, bit. I think he was supposed to be early 20s because he was still in college no, um, no, they no. I think I saw that in an interview where they're saying that they are older the, than than they were supposed to be in the book, because the actor is thirty. And well, the, that always happens. That, yeah, he definitely other, looks older, yeah. and he's ripped that dude. But anyways, beside the point. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It, it was definitely a strange. It was. I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where it's like every family's different um I thought it was sweet to an extent I thought it was kind of like okay like he is like a 30 year old guy so like (laughs) maybe calm down I mean I could see them sitting there with like 
yeah her feet in his lap or vice versa or something but like her there like cuddled around him with like i was just like what am i supposed to be understanding about this this is awkward yeah it, it was some type of way um from my perspective too i mean it mostly i think because their relationship hadn't been well established or grounded before that point and so it's just kind of like hey mom i'm by honey let's cuddle on the couch and i wonder i wonder if it was a way to try to take her out of the role of the president and show her as being affectionate as being able to still tap into that something that they may have had before yeah so that's yeah that's what i would assume is that up until that point they've been very much you know back and forth and even in the book you know he doesn't have a lot of contact with his mother because she's the president um so i think it was i think if i were to say like what i would interpret the intention of that scene it would be to show like what they may have had before um and how they they still could go back to being mother and son instead of you know kind of uh two adults living in the the white house together you know? yeah 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 i get the intention then like uh, the there were other elements of that scene that i enjoyed uh where she admitted like when they had the birds and the bees talk and she never addressed anything other than heter- heterosexuality and she was like that's my bad and i was like that feels real you know she was still being kind about it but she made a mistake um, and she was obviously educated about what sort of preventative steps he needed to take to be safe um, sexually. And I, I thought that was good. And like he had a very normal reaction as her son to be like, ew, gross, don't talk to me about that. You know, so I, I just felt like there was some authenticity to that. But it was just like the logistics of how they were sort of wrapped around each other on that couch. I was like, I don't like this. It didn't help that the couch looked a little small. <laughs> and <laughs> and he looked look off so of big compared to her. And I was like, this is a little ridiculous. Like sitting on the edge, just like holding on for dear life. Like they're on yeah. a you, Like you're going to fall off the couch. <laughs> it was a bit weird. Yeah. But what did you guys think about the two actors just in general? I guess their names are Taylor Zakar Perez is Alex. What do you think? I thought they did an excellent job. I think they were exactly how I pictured them from the book, which to be fair, I read the book after seeing images from the movie. Mm. So that probably helped. But I think regardless of that, I think they did reflect those characters. Well, I think they played it very well. I kind of did some digging and it doesn't seem like either one of them is actually queer which always irks me to a degree I'm not saying that like you can't play a queer character like obviously you're acting but I I like to see the money going in the right direction so that disappointed me I was happy to find out that Matthew Lopez is openly gay so there was you know it would have been very disappointing to have this movie about a queer relationship and have it be completely you know heterosexually run um so yeah that that was the only thing that held me back where I was like oh you could have like you can't find somebody (laughs) 
but it does sound like Nicholas um, Galatine does he he kind of does play queer characters. Um, he's done it before in the past, so he he seems like he gets a little bit typecast as that. Um, but yeah, I thought they did a great job, and I thought their chemistry was fantastic. Yeah, I I really like those two together, and I thought they epitomized sort of the attitude and behavior and even like diction of an American versus a, a very, very British person. It was just so funny. And they played it up a little bit, of course. Like the the part where they're like at the New Year's party and he and Henry's standing there going, Did he just say until the sweat drops down my balls? <laughs> I was like, okay, Prince Henry would have heard that song somewhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometime it's three six mafia everyone has heard that song okay but like it was funny it was just like perfect I, I thought that was wonderful they do skirt the edge of caricature a lot yeah in that in that sense but yeah yeah I was like he's he's obviously heard this type of stuff before and I think I think that was played up a little bit better in the book than it was in the movie his uh worldliness his worldliness was played up better in the book than it was in the in the movie yeah i just thought it's funny he's waxing on about like lord byron or whatever and then you've got alex is like three six mafia it's a song of my childhood let's go and i'm like yeah that's uh, that's what it's like as an american i can say that we are just very uneducated and goofy and we just latch on to stupid things like three six mafia <laughs> what did you think i liked the actors um i didn't know that they weren't actually queer in real life so learning that they're not i kind of agree with laura that's kind of like um i don't know it's like casting a, a hispanic character and they're not hispanic you know it's like why did you do that like what is happening um so that's kind of irksome but I did think they did a good job um and I don't know maybe I just like I found myself wondering the whole movie if I hadn't read the book would I know what the fuck is going on um because I felt like there were a lot of things that were just kind of put in there um with very little context and it and it seemed like um if you hadn't read the book then you might not know what's going on and i don't know if i don't know like the turkey scene? the turkey scene how disappointing on. was the turkey scene i was extremely disappointed with the turkey scene now i did like the sort of um cinematic whatever thing where they put henry in the bed yeah and like we're talking they were talking in the bed but it was supposed to simulate texting i really liked so did that. I. I thought that was cool but the turkey thing was definitely disappointing and their kind of animosity leading up to that i thought was very underdeveloped it just felt like oh i hate henry i hate alex the cake fell on us and now we're supposed to be friends. Okay, I guess that's what we're doing then. We'll be friends. 
and it just uh yeah you bring up a, a good point yeah because in the book i've forgotten about this but in the book there's this whole sort of um sub storyline or whatever that he's had this picture of prince mm-hmm. henry alex has had this p- picture of prince henry since he was you know a teenager like almost preteen and he was like obsessively tracing his hair on the picture or whatever <laughs> and it was like so obviously he's had a crush on him since forever and that provided a lot more of like the weight of his feelings around henry and how hurtful it could have felt to meet him for the first time and then be so quickly brushed aside like he was which i think it was the olympics in the book but in the movie it was like a climate conference that they Mm -hmm. were both at so yeah yeah It, it just that part felt undeveloped to me um, and it seemed like it was done intentionally for readers. Like we're we're not even going to explore this much at all. We're just we're just gonna get the plot going as quickly as possible so we can get to the juicy bits, which was fine. It just they developed Henry's side of it later because he does. They go back and talk about it again. He brings up like, oh, my dad had just died, and I really just couldn't handle. It. So like. I, I noticed that a lot of times they they did a lot more with Henry's character in some ways than mm-hmm. with Alex's, which I thought was interesting. And I have some other thoughts on later on. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess the, the preamble or whatever on Alex's side was more like he was intimidated by public life um, because the comments he makes are... Like in the very beginning when they're sitting, he and Nora are in that limo going to Buckingham Palace or wherever um, for the wedding. And it's like, he's like bothered by the comparison to Prince Henry. And he's saying, they're going to eat me alive if I use the wrong fork. And he's like very intimidated by that. And then when they're shoved in the closet by Amy at that hospital, he's saying like, it was my first, the climate conference was my first public event. And you could have been nice to me and you could have helped me as a public figure understand what I should do and how I should behave, but you didn't. So that was kind of what they were trying to give some gravity behind his feelings, but I don't know if it necessarily landed. I, it didn't land for me at all. It's like, this prince doesn't owe you shit. Like, why do you feel entitled for him to help you? I, I just, it felt weak to me. I hated that part, actually. He was like, oh, yeah, this is my first thing or whatever. Like, you could have helped me. But, like, why does he have to do that? Like, you have a whole team of fucking people that are supposed to help you, that are paid money to help you. Why are you blaming this person that you've never met before for not helping you? Like, that just seemed dumb to me. And I don't know. Like, I I think it was a way they were trying to rush the bridge or whatever. And it just didn't work for me at all. Like, you entitled asshole american like great job (laughs) yeah it was a bit weak for sure but i could see like as a as a male of similar age and you see another male of similar age in a similar station even if you have a whole team of people coaching you on what to do no one you're never going to have that affinity for them as you would for somebody else that lives it day in and day out so I, I could see that but I agree that it was a bit thready yeah I just I don't know it just it just feels weird for him to carry a grudge for that long with 
with that weak of a connection. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work for me. So, um, I I don't know if you guys caught this, but after they have um their rendezvous in the red room, which was at the prime minister's dinner, um, remember that they come out and they're talking about the state of their things and they're like referring to them in euphemisms with these like historical monuments do you remember that where they're talking about like um nelson's column and uh big ben and whatever so then henry goes up to her, to alex's room and he gives him a blowjob and the interlude scene is the washington monument oh, I, did I you catch that I didn't miss it at all. <laughs> I was like, that is brilliant. Went to that I was shot, like, I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was amazing. That made me laugh so hard. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, speaking of the Prime Minister, I did love the moment where it was like, the British Prime Minister is a woman, and the American President is a woman, and they're hosting this dinner together. I was like, this is amazing! That was a lot of fun. And then <clears throat> to have the the queen be a king instead on top of that was like it was a lot of fun. I feel like yeah, I feel like they probably did that intentionally because they probably didn't want it to come across as like looking like they were criticizing Queen Elizabeth or something. It was done so that was in another interview I read because this was filmed before Queen Elizabeth's death. It was already made. I think it was because they had Stephen Fry and he really wanted to use Stephen Fry. And so they oh, made that decision at that point from I... what I understood from the interviews that I read. So yeah, I... it was like it was already going to be done before the Queen passed away. Okay. Well, I mean, Stephen Fry, like he is British acting royalty and mm. he's so funny. I thought he was perfect as uh, King James, I think it was. I thought the uh, cover up was really weak too. The um, which I mean, they kind of had to make it weaker because June wasn't a June wasn't in it. But I felt like that was an opportunity that they could have explored the relationship between Alex and Nora a little bit better, mm -hmm. and they didn't. Um, there was really no scramble to like cover anything up or pretend that this wasn't the story which speaking of when it broke where were the fucking emails there were no emails no it, it was very at all i was like wait a minute your email server got hacked you haven't even been using your emails you've been texting this entire fucking movie that's one of the things that irked me um because that was one of the things that i loved so much about book number one was the emails were just Ah, oh, chef's kiss. Just like nobody ever writes to me like that. Like, what the fuck? They were just <laughs> amazing emails. And then the whole scandal with them getting leaked and everything was like, I enjoyed that part too. But then when it happened in the movie, I was like, this is strictly for readers only because watchers aren't going to know what the hell is going on. There were no emails to be leaked. So, that's that was really yeah i mean i guess they were hoping people would make the leap that you could be sending emails from your phone so if you're just doing this maybe it's an email 
But in the visuals, you're right, it showed as like a text exchange. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. And that, yeah, I... I they could have said it, Verizon got hacked or something and all your text messages got dumped out onto the internet. That would have well, made more sense. Well, they did lay the groundwork, ironically, when Zara found them in that hotel room and she was talking about her phone is in here and it's broadcasting God knows what. You know, mm. that could have been like something where they mentioned, oh, your phone got hacked by X, Y, Z. I don't know. I'm not a tech person. Laura, you want to weigh in here? <laughs> I'm not a tech person. That would have been really funny, though, if like suddenly Facebook just <laughs> made the connection and was like, ooh, you know, Henry and Alex together in the whatever. Their algorithm. <laughs> yeah. And like, how, how did Miguel get how did he hack it? you know like there's a lot of holes in how this that wasn't really happen. addressed in the book either though how it was hacked not that yeah. i remember not that i remember. yeah i feel like it was a little bit confusing in the in the book too it was but at least in the book he he has that scene where he goes to confront Raphael and tells him everything himself and so that's how luna gets ahead of the story in the mm. book because he already knew everything. Well, not everything, but he already knew of the relationship. Yeah. So yeah. So that that one at least it is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was definitely the whole reveal of their relationship and the messages and all that was very glossed over. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like it was super, the whole movie felt rushed to me. And I've been noticing this in other movies I've seen recently too I don't know if it's just like a new way of storytelling it was so rushed that I didn't even realize until 30 minutes in that June wasn't in it Mm -hmm. I was like like 30 minutes in I was like wait wait yeah (laughs) like a double take I was like I was like I think it's 30 minutes and nothing you know it's just everything just goes bing 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 and I've noticed that in other things I've watched too where it's like is this just like a form of storytelling what kind of choice is this to make things so rushed i think it's attention spans to be honest because if you go back and watch old movies i still remember um dragging my friend because i grew up on old movies my parents Mm -hmm. always had us watching old movies which is why i wonder if the pacing is always so off yeah and i remember when i was in high school i was like in love with sydney poitier as you are you know (laughs) and i made my best friend watch guess who's coming to dinner and she was like not uh, a fanatic of old movies like me so she was like god this movie is so boring it's so slow nothing's happening i mean the whole movie is basically like each of the characters reflecting on their reaction to the fact that a black man came with their daughter to dinner and it was like you know that was how the story unfolded was just these characters like narratives and them kind of working through it whereas if if it was told today it would be like you know, jump, 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 jump from event to event to drama to drama to drama. So I think that's a good point is just, I think people's attention spans are like this big now. And so they have to just make sure something is happening at all times. I think that's what it is. Because like you watch older movies and they're like this whole, this whole thing where it's like movies are two and a half hours long I'm like who has time honestly but (laughs) I'm like you watch older movies and it feels like they feel like these big swelling you know films where so much emotion and everything happens but it could be like five minutes of dialogue 
-hmm. you know, whereas like movie today, you, you know, two hours just feels so normal. And yet you're just so overwhelmed and bombarded by everything that happens. I don't know. This is like my experience where I get very turned off by things. I'm like, I, I, I don't need, I don't need, you know, these like <clears throat> sweeping films like Ben-Hur and all these other ones. But I'm like, you know, at some point, like you just have to like stop and just let something settle for the viewer. And this movie and other movies I've seen recently too, nothing ever you don't get to sink in on anything. You don't get to like think about it in the middle of it happening. Mm -hmm. And I think not, it's not just a criticism against this movie. It's a criticism against like media in general. And I think, yeah, attention span is probably a part of that. And it is, you just get done watching something. You're just like, so I don't know for me, cause I, yeah, I grew up on old films and it's not unusual to have like, you know, like we're opening credits of like an old film. You sit there for, it feels like 10 minutes just watching credits. <laughs> yeah. It's the beginning. You have to watch that to watch the rest <laughs> of the film. But you know, you're, you're getting into the setting and the music is there and the scenery is there. So like, yeah, it's just, it's different. It's very different now. I yeah. will say that um, what I did like in terms of how they handled things was the intimacy I actually liked it and I, I'm not, um, you know, incredibly experienced in watching like, um, gay romance or bisexual, or, you know, anything beyond the heteronormative stuff that we're, you know, see all the time. Um, but from what I have seen, it was sweet and reflected positivity and these characters connecting and having these moments together that meant something that they felt good about and they were being honest with each other unlike a lot of times where especially like you think about i don't know brokeback mountain or something and it's so cloaked in shame and aggression is how i think uh what i see frequently for well not frequently but what i have seen is like when it's gay men having sex it has to be like a fight because they're fighting against what they think is right to have this this moment with another man and I just loved that it was so sweet and also they were both kind of vulnerable at times especially Alex just being like I don't know who's gonna do what you know and and I, I was like cringing when freaking Prince Henry said, let's make love. I was like, Ugh, I hate that phrase. Don't say that ever. But it was such a sweet scene. And I, I, I really liked how that was done. But what do you guys think? I I agree. I cringed as well, but I cringe every time I hear it. It's, it's, I've never liked the phrase. I never used the phrase. It's just, why does this exist? like just call it what it is we're about to fuck you know that's that's what's happening right here <laughs> um <laughs> wow <laughs> um but I just uh I, I agree I thought I liked the the intimate moments I like that they didn't shy away from making it a scene that people come to expect from sex scenes in movies I like that it wasn't closed door I liked that they gave it the respect that that it deserves. I mean, it's just two people having sex and enjoying themselves and and loving it. And they didn't shy away from that in a way that, you know, we've seen tons of men and women doing it 
in movies and they don't shy away from that. So I, I appreciated that they just went all in and, and went for it and did it um, and treated it like a normal thing and not like, oh, well, we're just going to close the door on this and people can use their imaginations because we don't want to touch that. That didn't happen. And I, I appreciated that. I liked that a lot. And I thought it was funny when Alex was like, I don't know who's going to do what. I thought that was hilarious. I like I that. I mean, I f- it felt real to me, you know, and I just love that he was being so vulnerable in that moment. Yeah, I found, I found the, <clears throat> I I thought that scenes in the movie weren't as steamy as in the book. Oh, um, definitely not. Agreed, definitely yeah. Really toned <laughs> not. My God, I was I was disappointed. I was like, is this okay? <laughs> Although, right. with the polo scene, the I was polo like, scene I... was like, I was exact. I was just about to say that. I was like the polo scene when they're shooting the shots of him on the horses. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Oh, that was that was I, what I was the bouncing up and oh down. Oh my on the God. <laughs> I was like, have I had those moments growing up with uh, Prince Harry and Prince William when they had those photos of them in those white polo mm-hmm. pants. And, you know, I was like dying when I was like, I don't know how old I was, 18, looking at those photos. I was like, ugh. So when I saw this in the movie, I was like, yes, please, this is taking me back. Those white pants are doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, I thought that scene was the most accurate like that was the most reflective of how i felt in the book reading um their sex scenes um the rest of them i was kind of like yeah that one the one scene where they do actually have like um penetrative sex it's like it is it is it reflects a lot of the same things i love that they still have the condom on the nightstand like i did not miss that at all i was like perfect awesome thank you um but it also like that scene in the book was just so it was such a beautiful sex scene like it really was it was just it was all about consent and communicating and it's like like consent is hot it is so hot when you're having a scene where people are just like this is what I need right now this is what I'm gonna do next like I just find it I found that scene in the book to be so so attractive and I felt like the movie was just like okay this is it's here but like they didn't dwell on it as long as I wanted them to dwell on it. And I don't mean like, I don't mean like to show more than they showed, but I just felt like it didn't get the, I don't want to use the word climax, but it didn't feel like the buildup was as, as strong as it was in the book. And it didn't feel like this was just like something that they sat and really talked about for a very long time, which is how it was was portrayed in the book. You know, I agree with that. Um, And I felt the, the scene the polo sex scene felt a little flat to me because I didn't feel like their relationship had built enough tension I didn't feel enough sexual tension and like urge before we got to that scene and I think part of that is because the emails weren't in there um there was a lot of sexual suspense and tension that just wasn't in the movie and some of the relationship things felt a bit rushed. Um, and that was one of them that I felt was a little rushed, was like, okay, yeah, we're going to zero to freaking 80 now. And where where's the substance in between? It just wasn't developed how I wanted it to be. Um, and I do agree with your comments on the actual sex scene itself. Um, 
there is definitely a level an extra level of intimacy that you achieve when you start actually talking to your partner during sex that was definitely missing from the book that is kind of a bummer but I also think that that might not have landed as well as I wanted it to because that build-up wasn't there it wasn't yeah, there for the polo the scene thing- it wouldn't have been there for that scene either so I don't think it really would have landed with me it would have been like okay what's it doesn't feel like they've made it to this part in their relationship yet <laughs> to me I don't know yeah I so two comments one maybe this is naive of me to say but you know when Alex is like putting his head on um Henry's shoulder and he's like who's gonna do what I don't know what to do and Henry's like I've been at English boarding schools all my life dear you're in good hands or something along those lines uh, is it kind of stereotypical that it's like an all English boys school so the boys are sort of experimenting sexually with each other yeah that's that a like a, that's like a stereotype yeah or well experimenting with each other or that there are abusive relationships uh, that take place yeah okay so then unrelated but my other comment was Kit I agree with you in that it was like it felt like that in Alex's room and Henry's like we got to keep this casual and then two seconds later Henry's like let's make love which like you're never gonna say that to anyone if you're keeping it casual one I would never say that to anyone anyways but two I would you know that feels emotionally intimate connective long-term serious relationship not I want to jump your bones because I think you're sexy you know like so that was quite a jump. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that the film was missing was that buildup of the emails and them moving from... So much passion and sexual... Oh my God. Well, passion, but just like the flirting, the flirting mm-hmm. and the skirting around their certain things or just like outright saying things. Like it was just fun. They were so much fun. And, and it there's was like something a- that happens when you write something to somebody mm-hmm. and you don't, you can't see the reaction to it. Right, yeah. Yeah see them in person and you're like shit are they thinking about what I said <laughs> like I know what they responded back to me but was that really what they thought they had time to talk about like like you know there's just so much like uncertainty there that builds mm-hmm. sexual tension yeah well and I, I like I mean this is maybe the old-fashioned side of me <laughs> if it there's something nice about like sending a message to someone and not getting an immediate response and having time to think and craft a response and write it back whereas today it's like you're on the phone or you're texting and it's like you're just immediately ping-ponging back and forth and there's no reflection on what you're saying whereas there's this romance behind writing a letter or an email where you're sitting down intentionally like let me think about what I'm saying to this person versus just like Bleh, let's just have an you know immediate <laughs> back and forth speaking of that I'm thinking about the back and forth no Wimbledon there was no Wimbledon scene they didn't go into the the staff room or whatever they went into I was sad about that I think they merged that with the uh polo polo yeah match. yeah so question um this is kind of a random comment that Alex made when he was talking to Nora about like the kiss. But he explained it to Nora like 
He gripped my hair in a way that made me understand the difference between rugby and football. And I was like, that sounds cool, but I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I kind of like glossed over that in the movie. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Um, it, it that, that one landed for me only because... I don't know. I, I had the feeling that it was like, oh, I'm with a real man now. It was kind of like one of those things. Maybe that's just how my brain interpreted it. But it's like, you know, like you kind of just been testing the waters. You know, you just kind of been dabbling in things. And then you get into the real thick of something and you're like, oh, shit, this is this is different. You know, that's kind of how I interpreted it. Like, oh, yeah. I've been having fun so far with randoms, but this is the real thing. I guess maybe I'm getting too locked into what each one of those sports mean. But yeah, I guess I could see that. Like it's taken me to the next level of sophistication and understanding in terms of attraction and sexual chemistry, maybe. I feel like there's a lot of Americans that think that rugby and football are very comparable and rugby's much more violent. Well, yeah, you don't have any pads. Right. And so I think that has something to do with it, too. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, everyone thinks that this is the same sport, but it's not. <laughs> it's completely different. That's kind of. I like that. I like that you two have thought about it and analyzed it because my brain definitely went sports analogy and transferred <laughs> to white noise and it went out the other ear. <laughs> I, I was like, I mean, I guess both of those sports are sort of homoerotic in that you're like, you know, putting your hands between some other man's legs. To... But yeah, anyway, that was a random comment in the beginning. I was like, I don't fully understand that. My other question for you guys is, and they're sitting in the terry cloth robes. And he's like, what's your favorite movie? And he he says, in the mood for love, it's the swooniest movie, whatever. I've never heard of that movie. Have you guys heard of that movie? No. Let me look and see. I know I I haven't seen it. The 2000 film, maybe? I mean, he says swooniest. And I'm like, should I watch this movie? I don't know. The only thing that's coming up for me is a Chinese film. (laughs) Oh, you're right. 2000. (laughs) And it's... Like a Chinese production, perhaps? Can we just talk about the way we got absolutely robbed of the Han and Leia mural? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because like I know you're not big into Star Wars, but I was so mad. And what it is, is it's the licensing. And I'm like, Bezos, mm. you couldn't give us this one thing. They were you also... Star Wars licensing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, they also talked about harry potter in the book a lot and they didn't in the movie and it was like you know they were having this whole debate which maybe this was like the emails thing but about ramus lupin being gay character and i you know i I, any excuse to mention harry potter is okay with me but (laughs) yeah i think some of the i think some of the cultural references were changed for licensing purposes that makes sense i needed that mural (laughs) And the book, I was like, I need that on a poster. And I was like, here's my chance. They're going to put it in the movie. And I was like, nope. (laughs) We're not even going to mention it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, they would have had to bring up the emails for that to be a thing. And they also would have had to redo the closet scene at the beginning, which I. And the whole hospital scene. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Mm. hospital scene sucked. It was lame. It really needed to be a miniseries. That would have been so much better. They could have developed a lot more. 
I think. And I think the the whole relationship with Alex and Nora didn't make sense to me. That was one of the things, that was another one of the things that I felt they just put in there for reader's benefit. Um, because I they didn't think- really explore his sexual relationship with her um, or anything like that. They didn't really talk about anything. She was just kind of there. She was wandering around saying things. That was her role. And it didn't feel like it didn't feel like she really replaced the role that June played and she didn't really have a function of her own other than <laughs> cool I have a friend well and then being like, like eye candy for Pez his friend his mate which and he really didn't have a role that. either what was his yeah. function neither of these characters could have I, I liked the actors they chose <clears throat> I just don't think they really added anything to the movie with the little bit they gave them to do i agree because i think nora's whole function in the book that's so good is that she is there to cover for alex in the way that she just like unselfishly steps in right to cover and that was like her big moment in the book and i think pez's role to me was that he was an out for henry he was the one that could help henry do things outside of his royal function and neither one of those things ever came through for nope. either of the characters in the movie. And in which case it's like, you should have just, I guess, I guess fine. You, you don't want to have both main characters have a sister be their only friend, but yeah, it was, it was just like the, 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 the things that made them so important. Cause you could look at Pez in the book and be like, okay, what is Pez doing here? But I, what I took away from his character was that he was there to help Henry just let off some steam to just let him like, be able to go do these charities or go do these things and actually have some sort of impact on the world because he couldn't have done that alone. He needed a millionaire friend <laughs> to be able to do that. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I think it, it added a lot of nice plot points where they could rendezvous together as yeah. well. You know, yeah. So. I think what they could have done is cut Henry's sister B completely and just pump up Pez's presence. They really cut out, and this was disappointing to me too. I don't want to harp on it too much because I understand it's in the interest of time, but I thought the element of found family was completely lacking from the film. I thought on many different levels that was, and that's that was kind of sad to me because it's such a queer goalpost is, you know, the um, is found family. And so I thought that group of friends was completely undermined. There was no moment there where you felt like it was a found family i thought the fact that her uh, sorry that um the president had you know was still in the relationship with alex's father like i thought that took out an element of found families i thought i think that was really fun there were just there were so many messy people and i love messy characters and it was just every all the messiness just got taken out of it completely mm-hmm. everybody's messiness was gone and i thought that was really sad i'm a big fan i don't have you either of you watched veep are you fans of veep Mm-mm. so i <laughs> when i read the book i was like this just feels like veep if it had a soul if these people actually like deserve anything good to happen to them because veep is all just like horrible horrible people and they deserve everything <laughs> that happens to them but it's got that like snappy political dialogue it's got like the zara is a very veep type character mm-hmm. and i just and it has a similar thing in that with the um julia louise Dreyfus's character the the, pres- the vice president eventually the president 
where she's remarried somebody else, I think at some point, or she's, no, she's divorced from her daughter's father, but they still have to go to legal functions together. And it's just, it's this whole added element of just, just disaster that gets added to it. And I thought that that was very funny in the book for Red, White, and Royal Blue was that, you know, they still have to do things together. She's got, you know, the president now has this husband who is just kind of her, I don't want to even call him her yes man, but he was definitely like a very different person. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a funny aspect of her character where she was just like, okay, well, I've already been in this relationship with this guy who like, I can't handle, like, I just need somebody who's just going to like support me. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, you know, to have them still do things together, I thought still had that element of found family where they're still having to like talk to each other, Mm -hmm. um, you know, parent in their own separate ways. But yeah, I just thought that entire any hint of like that found family was just taken out completely and I thought that really was really really disappointing yeah I think they were trying to show that through all the montages you know which it goes back to your early earlier point Laura of like there was no moment to sit with anything and feel it it was like rushed Mm -hmm. and you know that that trip to Texas is when that that group that found family group is really solidified and then it also breaks apart when Alex figures out his feelings for Henry the depth of his feelings and tries to tell him and then he obviously runs away so like that part was really rushed as well too I mean it was just like montages of them playing volleyball and then uh singing karaoke and then there was that scene where I felt like they tried to sit with it of um, Alex and Henry swimming and then Alex trying to tell him he loves him. So that came a little bit close because it was like lingering with them on that platform. Um, but again, it, it did feel really rushed to your point. And I, I think, you know, they simplified the story. So they cut out that they were divorced and remarried. But I think they were also trying to give it a point of connection to Alex's dad when he's like t- coming out to his dad. And his dad is saying, your mother and I were a bad idea too, but look at us now. And it was like, that was, they were trying to bring that back around to make that work for his dad. So I I don't know that that really landed because I, I liked the idea of having a female president and also a divorced president. I agree with both of those points. I, I felt like the relationship with the mom was much less important than the relationship with Alex and Henry. So if they had to cut something, all of her baggage can go away. So that didn't bother me so much. I thought her husband in the book was a bit of a nothing character anyway. I think he had like five words in the entire book and that was it. What I will say, though, is the comment on having to keep someone's attention by jumping around a lot. I think that's, you know, poor storytelling. Um, I think there's plenty of stories out there with one main theme that can keep interest well. Um, and I mean, it's this is a totally different genre, but I just watched Oppenheimer not too long ago. And that movie was fantastic. And it kept my attention. Three hours? Three hours. It did not even feel like three hours. Same thing with uh, Endgame. How long was that freaking movie? And it maintained my attention. But it also had like a very specific plot and specific things happening that built into, you know, the major scene at the end. And I just don't feel like 
this one did it. I think they just tried to they tried to keep too many things in the movie with not enough time. And I think if they had just decided, okay, we bit off too much to chew, we need to cut out even more and isolate something that's really important. So like what is really the important thing about this book? And it's it's Alex and Henry and their relationship and their sexual tension and their journey together into hating each other, the, the enemies to lovers. That is the theme they should have spent the most time on instead of all these other things. And it could have been a really interesting story, in my opinion. People love romances. They love them. But they didn't really treat this as a romance. Not not really in the same way that they treat other romance movies. I read an article um, where they were interviewing Matthew Lopez, the director, and he was explaining it in a way that I thought was kind of interesting. It was like, it's a fairy tale, but the characters don't know they're in a fairy tale. Which I, I, It doesn't like solve for all the issues we've brought up by any means, but I did think it gave me a kind of special perspective on like being in Alex's shoes or being in, in Henry's shoes of like, it doesn't treat it as a romance because these characters don't know they're in a romance and they don't know they're in a fairy tale. I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective. And I, uh, to Laura's point earlier, I was I was very pleased that he's openly gay and, you know, crafting the story in such a way that's re- representative and authentic. Um, he's also, I was just doing a bit of reading, and I think this was his directorial debut, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, and he's a writer, and he was the first Latino writer to win a Tony Award for his for best play, which I thought was also very cool. Ah. So I I think they did an amazing job of choosing him. I I will say going back to the discussion of like having real queer um, actors portraying queer characters, like that's a topic that I'm not the best person to speak about I, I will say I know about Heartstopper where if you guys have watched that series on Netflix it's about um, these teenagers one of them's gay and one of them's uh, bisexual in their journey together and they basically shamed the actor into coming out which is, is a dangerous thing as well so like it's it's a complex uh subject matter for sure and if if anyone's feeling like powerful enough to own that part of them openly then that's amazing and of course we want that authenticity in in actors but also it's it's a little bit dangerous to demand that when people shouldn't be expected to reveal their sexuality to prove their ability to play a character in my opinion no that's a really good point like you you're absolutely right um yeah there should be no part of it that's ever like you're not obligated to it and that's why like I said like it's just something I like to see sure Um, yeah me too yeah no you're you're absolutely right I'm glad you really you brought that up because yeah nobody should ever be shamed or like feel obligated to come out just to prove that they can play a role um that's that's completely destructive to the point as well yeah Yeah, to to make a point that they got uh, one other thing right if you guys remember in the book amy the um secret service person 
was a transgender woman and in the movie it's also a transgender woman is it really oh, I, I love that. that I I looked that up because I was like if they just make this sort of heteronormative cisgendered person I don't love that because it's such a strong point of the mm-hmm. book to include that um and you know speaks to sort of the administration of of Uma Thurman's character um so anyway look her up she's an Indian woman um and and a transgender activist too I forget that's amazing I I I just looked her up Anish Sheth yeah so very cool that they they made an effort to do that because I I thought that was important yeah that's awesome oh I didn't even realize that no she and she was so good in the movie too I like she she did exactly what she needed to do in the movie as yeah. <laughs> in the book oh, the little the little quip i i know we had our issues with the um closet scene at the hospital but when she's like the threat has been neutralized and oh, they're yeah. like when you say neutralized she goes well it's a good thing he's in the hospital already i was like that's funny that's <laughs> that <was> funny. funny yeah <laughs> no i thought she she brought that character to life for being such a small part and for also for not having what we see in the book of her and her wife and they're you know in the crowd you know for not having that I thought she brought that character out really really well and really characterized it well I like that so, um moving from there so we um we talked about kind of like the, the scene with with Henry and Alex with uh, Alex actually going to express his true feelings and then Henry swimming away the way he did so to move from that how did you guys feel about the way that they focused on Henry throughout the, I don't want to call it a breakup, but, you know, throughout that that week rather than Alex. I noticed that shift too. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it, to be honest. But Kit, what did you think? I'm not sure I really had much feeling about that, to be honest. Um, I think that for people who hadn't read the book, I think it was fine. Just because it was the way it was portrayed in the movie was this was a Henry's moment of confusion or fear. Alex was still sure about what he wanted. It was Henry that threw the curveball in the movie that the readers weren't sure about. And so it's Henry that the readers are going to be more interested in. And so cinematically that made sense for the movie for them to focus on Henry. Um, Obviously for the book, the book is mostly from Alex's, well, it is all from Alex's perspective, isn't it? So, um, you know, it made more sense for Alex to be explored in the book because um, it's his perspective and he's the confused one. But as far as like watching it, everything was hunky-dory and then, oh, what the fuck is going on with Henry? Well, let's explore that further, shall we? So I think it would have been a little boring if they'd focused on Alex. like Like, Laura now that you mention it and I'm thinking about it I'm like if they had focused on Alex then we as the viewer wouldn't have known what was going on either and then perhaps we would have had a little bit more suspense versus 
watching this very stereotypical i hate when movies do this when they show a breakup and then they show the character like languishing around reading sad books and playing piano and doing all this shit and it's like in real life when you break up with someone you still have shit to do you can't just lay around i mean i know he's a royal and he probably could but that always pisses me off but anyway laura back since you brought it up what did you think no i thought um I kind of didn't know what to think of it. So that's why I wanted to ask you guys. But I I think I see both sides of that where it's like, I see the choice to make it about Henry, but I feel like the tension got taken completely out of the situation. And I thought the scene following, like the nerve of Alex come up and be like, I stormed the castle. I'm like, when, when? There was no storming the castle. It wasn't. I mean, I don't want to keep being like, it wasn't like the book, it wasn't like the book, but it wasn't even in the movie. Like, he was just, like, they didn't show him, you know, flying there and standing mm-hmm. out there in the rain and demanding to go inside and yelling on the staircase and doing all these things. It was just this very, I thought it was acted very well. I thought, you know, Henry delivered all his lines in a, you know, very compelling way, but there was, it didn't feel like any kind of buildup. It was just like, it, it fell flat because we had only been watching, like you said, Henry, Henry languishing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I, that's great that we want to see like his perspective and actually bring him into the story more than he was in the book. I think that's good, but nothing really happened and nothing really came of that. And yeah. missed out on, like you said, the, the thing of like Alex, like you would have had that tension where he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Which is what we had in the book. And him just like completely snapping and wanting to prove it. And I, so, yeah, I thought, I was like, I like the idea of making it Henry's perspective, but I didn't think that it held as much weight as a scene, the scene where they come together and Alex says, like, if you want me to leave, you have to tell me to go. Because, yeah, I'm like, he didn't, he didn't storm the castle. There was nothing. I wanted to see him like screaming on the staircase, like he did. Yeah. I wanted to be making a big deal out of it because, you know, that's just who he is as a person. And you didn't get the same juxtaposition as you did in the book with Henry just trying to be like, no, I just, I just needed to go away, which is just like you know what his family's always done, what the royals have always done is like we just needed to go away. And Alex just being like, no, fuck that. I'm not. It's not going to just go away. I'm here. You need to look me in the eye and tell me one way or the other how you feel. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought, I was like, I like that. I would have liked to have actually had something productive come from it being Henry's perspective, but really we just saw him playing sad piano. <laughs> I, I was like, how British can you be? You're just sitting in your grand palace playing the piano, feeling sorry for yourself. Like, come on. And then yeah. you're walking in a garden, like seriously, just like you said, punching up that uh, stereotype a little bit with the characters of these these characters. I thought it was great. Now that you put it that way, I agree. <laughs> did we did we convince you? <laughs> the mystery that the mystery and suspense that could have been built by just focusing on Alex wondering what the fuck happened was gone. So yeah, no, I think I agree. I think I, I think you changed my mind on that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I been. would like to have seen it worked. I really, really yeah. would have to see it work because it yeah because it would be it would be interesting to see it especially when we take so many things away from henry like his mother like his sister's um drug addiction like all of these things that he dealt with that have built up we really didn't ever get to see a good moment of his kind of like 
like in the book where they talk about him I know they mentioned in the movie, but in the book, you get to see these moments where he goes into this like cocoon, where he goes into these like depressive episodes where, you know, you just, you just feel the weight of how hard his life is with like the loss of his father and his mother being absent and his sister, you know, yes, she's back now, but you know, that's, that's a really hard thing to go through with a sibling, just seeing them like go so destructive and then trying to help bring them back. Um, Having a brother who, you know, I think Philip got a really, really bad rap in this movie because they just made him a weasel. And I'm they like, did. what is this? He was this? kind of that way in the book, though, wasn't he? He was kind of that way in the book, but I think you got to see, is that fan fiction-y thing where, like, you get to kind of assume what it must be like for William, where it's like he's stepping up and, you know, he's the one that's kind of, seems like he's doing the right thing, whereas, you know, Harry is abdicated now, or, or I think he's abdicated. He's, he's left either way. So I think, like, it's that fan fiction-y thing um, I think I had a little bit of sympathy for Philip because he really was just like, no, like, this is what we need to do. And I've, I've married and I'm going to have children. Like, I, I'm doing the right thing. And seeing how trapped he was within that, um, within that box. Um, in, a, in a sympathetic and unsympathetic way, because he really was a, an ass to, to Henry. <laughs> yeah. But I thought in the movie, like, he even looked like a like he's no, he looked like a punk like the haircut like, everything oh my everything god everything about him was really i thought it was insulting i was like this he he's just as messy a character as anybody else and you're just you're not giving him any credit you're just making him making this, the caricature yeah caricature i did think that scene where they're in with um grandpa and he tries to speak up and stephen fry's character sort of coughs and is like who are you to speak up like it it was a little bit of him trying to show like I'm trying to become a leader I've married now I'm taking my place I'm stepping forward for the family and um you know probably similar to how Charles felt with his mother ruling as queen is like infantilizing to be 70 years old and still be a prince you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so like it just there was a little bit of that dynamic and I thought Stephen Fry did an amazing job in that scene of like you know have using all that elevated language to you know be like the most sophisticated educated person smoking and drinking like crazy and then like just in the end whining that he wasn't getting his way you know he's like but do you really want this you know he was like literally whining and I'm like your grandson is before you telling you he needs this to be happy at all and you you can't just let go so i i thought that scene was you know pretty well done from stephen fry's standpoint he had a lot of layers to him <laughs> yeah but yeah no that's 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 for sure like and i think i think like that's what i got that's what i got from the movie is like you keep getting these glimpses of what was in the book but if you hadn't read the book like in the book, if you've read the book, then you can be like, oh, I'm going to connect to this, I'm going to connect to that. And you still feel like it's somewhat of an enriching feeling to watch the movie. But I think if you don't have that background knowledge, you're just going to be like, okay, yep, lip, lip, on to the next thing. Um, and you don't, you don't get to see these characters. Because I thought in the book, like all the characters are so fascinating. Like I said, they were all so messy. They were all so trapped within you know, these confines that were either like they created themselves or other people are imposed on them. And I just thought that that it was really fascinating to see all these characters. And in the movie, like, it just got sanitized for the sake of time. 
Okay, I'm going to ask a question. And this is a safe space, meaning don't come for my neck when <laughs> I ask you this question. But either of you, have you ever been happy with a book to movie adaptation? I'm trying Lord to of the Rings. I knew you were going to say Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know what? Um, the Princess Bride. So I grew up watching The Princess Bride and I read the book later in life, like probably just a couple years ago, and it was shit. It was awful. I would never recommend the book to anybody, but the movie is just, I mean. So like a book you like. Um, that's what I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think of that. Um, gosh, you should have let us prepare for this one. I know. Well, we can do follow up. We can, we can put this on our socials. I put you guys on the spot, but it literally just occurred to me because we're trashing this movie. I liked it, but our expectations are always going to be high having liked the book. And the book is always going to be a richer experience. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So, yeah, because I'm trying to think of ones that have like been so close, and one of them, like, I like a lot of the Jane Austen ones come to mind at first, but like the really good ones of those were the ones that they, they were miniseries, you know. So, Funny like, that Prejudice did a really good job with the, the Kiera Knightley one, yeah. Oh, I've never seen that one, I've only oh! seen it. Oh, no, it was good. It it is really good, Laura. I I was like skeptical because I always liked the BBC miniseries version with Colin Firth, um. But Kara Knightley is amazing in it. Yeah. Okay. I might have to give give it a try. No, I'm I'm gonna say that adaptation was really good. Um, Heidi. Um. Oh, I loved it. I can't remember what year the movie I grew up watching, but yeah, that was I loved the movie Heidi. Does she have blonde hair or red hair in your version? It's uh, blonde hair. <gasps> That's my version! <laughs> that was my favourite movie growing up. I had to watch Heidi every fucking day. That movie's good. Heidi? Heidi? I don't think... Oh, you know what? I think just about any version of like Little Women. I love the book and I think that most of the film adaptations do a good job. I, I would go Little Women, and I would say that on multiple, uh, multiple adaptations of it, I think that one is one that most people seem to be able to like grasp all the important parts of. I have not seen the newest version of it, um, but I've seen a couple others. I oh, think you should! I've I seen was... the one with the writer. I've seen. I think there's one with Catherine Hepburn in it. Yeah, that's. I feel one. like you'll like the new one. Because... I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. I I don't doubt that I would. There's, there's, there's a new some... one. There's a newer one than Winona Ryder. Yeah. Where have you yeah. been? Under a rock? Oh my god. It's directed by um Greta Gerwig. Yes, Greta Gerwig, and she's amazing. And um so I can't pronounce her name. Somebody Ronan Scorsese. Oh, Cersei. Ronan. Cersei. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how to say her name. <laughs> um and the gal from Harry Potter, um, Emma Watson's in it, and it's so good. And the um end has layers to it that kind of make you think it could be different the ending than what's actually in the book so i definitely highly recommend that and uh timothy chalamet is yeah. in it too Ooh, well yeah, i know you well, like I'm that guy <laughs> <laughs> no i'm watching it then 
I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, you you've made your point. Like, yeah. You guys hear the train? It's so loud. Yeah, I do hear <laughs> the train. I was wondering what the hell that was. <laughs> there's there's been other ones I think that where it's like I think overall it'll land, but then they'll be like, oh, I didn't picture that character that way. Like oh, like one of my favorite books. My favorite books, Inkheart. And I think the film adaptation of that is pretty good. I think for once, like it's an Andy Circus character that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that one, I think his character fell flat for me, but the rest of it holds together pretty good. I can kind of watch both and appreciate both. Um, Cause that's one that I've like, I've read that book probably four or five times. Um, I read it every couple of years and I'll still watch the movie and be like fine with it. But yeah, but yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of one that's just been like, oh, this is like a great book. And then I watched the movie. It's like, that was just as great, <laughs> but I know it's out there. I know there's one out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, bottom line majority of adaptations are gonna leave you wanting more just because there's there's no way they can literally photocopy what's here that experience and translate it into a different medium without it having a nine hour long film which you know some of us would watch nine hour long films but but I, I think for those adaptations that are successful, at least the ones that we've mentioned here that I've actually seen, I haven't seen an ink art or read the book. Um, I'll add it to my TBR. <laughs> well, I think what makes those successful adaptations is that they understand the main theme of the book and the main point of the book. And they focus on developing that in the movie versus like, all the other things that were cool and nice and well-developed and added depth to the book, but they're not, if you don't give them adequate screen time, they're not going to land as hard in the movie. So just pick the one thing the Mm -hmm. story's really about, like with Pride and Prejudice, it was about Jane and Mr. Darcy. So let's focus on that instead of like all the other things that were going on. Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Sorry, Elizabeth. (laughs) Jane. I knew I was saying that wrong. <laughs> there was a Jane in there, though. Um, oh, yes, her oh, sister. The sister, Jane yeah. <laughs> um, this is sort of just out of nowhere, but Laura, have you ever read uh, The Love Hypothesis? No. It's relatively no. new. I just listened to the audiobook on Libby. No. And if, if um, communication and consent those themes really appeal to you like in terms of like sex and intimacy Mm -hmm. you'd like it plus it's like women in stem is you know it's it's academia it's really good this looks cute yeah i will definitely add this one yeah because i think that's the thing i had this (laughs) i had this conversation um with with kit is the I just I don't think I'm cut out for smut like I've tried a couple different books now because I really want to like it. I'm like, I just want to read like a smutty book and it's it's that thing it's that thing that's like I just can't get into it I cannot get past these relationships and you know the way that people treat each other um and so but so but when you read a book like red white and royal blue I think just that or any book where there's actually some kind of communication and consent and it just makes it so much more enjoyable. And I think you still do see that in the movie. And I think, yes, if you want to say, like, what they focused on was Alex and Henry. I think they still did bring their relationship out. I think they still 
brought that element of consent and communication to it, which I thought, like, if that's the most important thing that was there, I just think they they took the wind out of it by not putting as much tension into it with the with the emails um, that I think they could have. Um, so yeah, I think that's the final line. I think final line is like I I think it's it's fine as a movie, and I think that they did hit a lot of the big parts. But I also thought that like like I said, the big thing for me was like I thought the found family aspect was really sad to lose that because. I think that would have been a really great thing to keep in a queer movie about queer people because it is such an important and it's just an important cornerstone of a lot of queer stories and queer experiences. So, yeah. So yeah now, I, now I have to spend the rest of the day trying to figure out if there's a, a booked movie adaptation that I actually <laughs> Yeah, get back to us. We can maybe do a, a poll on um our Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. What other people think. <laughs> there's got to be some good ones. Uh, but should we jump into our cork rating? Because I think we've got to wrap yes. up for time. Yeah. Um, do, who wants to go first? So let's see. So what is the first one is the faithfulness to the book. I think I'm going to give that one half because like I said, I think it got the, I think it got the spirit of it. If it didn't really dig into the meat of the story, if that makes sense. And then tension and interest keeping, I'm going to have to go zero. Cause that's, that's something I thought really fell through. So like, no, sorry, no cork for that. <laughs> <laughs> Plot cohesiveness. It was there and it's a preference thing that it was rushed in my opinion so i'll be generous and give it one because i think that is that's a preference not an objective <laughs> feeling um invest in the characters yeah i'll give it a one because you you can't help but be invested in those two they're they're wonderful together um movie experience so i thought they did some really fun things i thought the texting um that they did have where they had them in the same room or in the same bed or just had it like pop up on the screen i would have liked to see a lot more of that because that was really really fun um and definitely felt like the book in that sense because that was such an integral part so um yeah and the soundtrack was fun i thought a lot of the music choices were really fun to have a lot of the the music in spanish was a really really smart choice and just you know made it um made it more alex in that way um so yeah um i'll give that a one too so that's that's a three and a half yeah i feel like that's that's a fair rating if i just want to be like a troll or just I want to be a little gremlin and just go on about nitpicking all day. It's not fair to it. I think I think a fair assessment is 3.5. So I'm going to say faithfulness to book. I'm going to give it half a cork. Tension and interest keeping or watch again. I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think I would watch it again on purpose. Just because the book is way better and there were just too many things missing. Uh, plot cohesiveness and arc. I... I really want to give this a zero um, just because the glue that was holding everything together was completely chopped out and that was the emails. (laughs) So I I think I'm going to give that a zero as well. Um, Invested in the characters. I agree with Laura. I think characters were great. I I did care about them. 
and about their their romance I did like it and I agree the movie experience and the production I thought was really well done as well um there wasn't I mean it felt a little bit like a lifetime movie but that's kind of what I was expecting as well and yeah that was I was fine with that 2.5 a two and a half okay yeah I you know that's what it is which incidentally you rated Twilight higher than that I'm just gonna leave oh that my there God. <laughs> Well, okay, but like that was the book. We've not done a book to movie comparison on Twilight. That's true. And for uh the other book to movie comparison that we did, which was all quiet on the Western Front, which if you haven't listened to that episode, Kit hates that movie. She gave it a two. I so I hated it in terms of an adaptation. It was a good movie on its own, but as an adaptation of a brilliant book, it was very disappointing my ratings aren't going to um be wildly different than that so i'll just go through them quickly faithfulness to book we all agree it's about a half tension and interest keeping watch again i have watched it basically twice now so i'm giving that a one okay i'll probably watch it again i mean it's pretty it's sweet you know it's one of those where you just sit down and you need to chillax after a terrible day at work i'd definitely watch it again Plot cohesiveness and arc, I'll give it a half for that, just because of the issues we've already discussed. Love most of the characters, and the movie experience was good. So I think that leaves me at a four. Wow. Yeah. Oh, don't I feel like the fucking Grinch? <laughs> you you have very high standards for books you like when they're translated into movies, and that's okay. You could have a career in being a writer that adapts books to movies. I would love that. That would be great. And I would probably hate that as soon as I started doing it because I'd realize I mean, it's hard. It yes, yeah, so I would realize how hard it is and I'd be like fuck this. But <laughs> in my head I would love that. <laughs> Are we going to rate our drinks? Oh, sure we can. Uh yeah. Mine was chilled irish breakfast tea and i would definitely drink it again and that's that's I highly recommend it's unsweetened but i'm fine with that yeah um i think i said at the outset chamomile and mint tea um you know just plain i didn't put any honey in it or anything and it was pleasant i'm going to rate mine fairly highly because i've had this peg for seven years now and it still tastes amazing oh wow <laughs> for longevity i'll give it a five what are you drinking again it was i don't know my mother-in-law bought it for me back in probably 2016 2017 and it was the liberty tea it's from oh, a the tea liberty house. tea it's from a tea house literally called the tea house that was near where we lived in Illinois. So, <laughs> but like I said, it's been sitting in my cab- cabinet for that long and it yeah. still tastes excellent. So, <laughs> well Again, done. That's what's up. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. This has been Our great. First and only recorded. guest. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. First and only and last guest. <laughs> As of now. <laughs> no, I need to be dethroned. It's going to go to my head. 
<laughs> you're the best guest. That's it. So just so far, I've been at back twice in a row. So I think holding. <laughs> The record. That's the record to be. You are the record holder right now. You're Nobody officially a friend here. of the pod. Nobody else is here a week after giving birth. <laughs> that is true. And I don't, uh, yeah, that one's definitely a hard one to beat. But thank you so much for joining us again. Um, this has been really fun to dissect. episodes are coming your way soon so stay tuned to your favorite podcast listening app and until then buzz off and stay hydrated mates cheers